welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I am back, and I am so excited to be sharing this interview with you guys. Pearl Noir is not just the Black burlesque queen. She is the Black burlesque queen. Known as Mama Pearl in the burlesque community, she's been blessed with the unique gift of embodying Josephine Baker and healing an audience in a theater or in the classroom. A paragon of glitz and glamour, Pearl is an intuitive healer, creative director, transformative coach, and the creator of the Healing Through Seduction program. She specializes in guided sensual touch, empowerment workshops, and burlesque-inspired healing rituals. As a visionary, she's also an advocate for people searching for a community to reclaim their bodies and reclaim control over their sensuality. Oh, Pearl, I am so excited. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, 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 hello to everyone listening. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. Mm, mm, mm. I'm just so glad you're here. I mean, I uh, like just tell me all the things. So before we go into all the things that you've been doing, and mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't wait. Burlesque is so near and dear to my heart, and um, yeah. and just the fact that you embody or channel <laughs> more probably accurately, Josephine. Yes, Baker. yes. There are so many things I just can't wait to talk about. But before we dive into that, let's just start mm-hmm. with the basic stuff about how did you know you were a sensitive person? How did you know you were an empath? Like what was, did, was this something that came that you knew in childhood? Was this something that came on later? Like, what was it like for you as a, as a little boo? Ah, little boo noir. I found out about my sensitivity and my power at five and nine, and they were both very uh, traumatic in a way. So I just want to, you know, warn the listeners But the first time I really knew that I was a very, very powerful, a channel myself was when the water goddesses took me into the ocean and initiated me. So so when I was five, my parents and I, my mom and my stepdad, Fred, we went to Venice Beach. I will never forget this. And we were just playing around. And of course, I was like any other kid, very curious, wasn't afraid of the water and went into the water. And I don't know what happened. But I was gone for quite some time and I came back covered in sand and seaweed with a crowd of people surrounding me. So that was when I first knew that I was just a channel myself. And then how I discovered that I was very intuitive and much like an empath was when I had discovered my power of premonitions. And unfortunately, I had dreamt and saw my father's passing described to the T. He was in the ambulance. He was shot. I knew exactly how many times he was shot. And my father, I had only met once in my lifetime to that time. And we were still connected and I still had the dreams. So I like went to bed knowing that something was going to happen. Yeah. And it did. And it did. 
Yeah. Pearl, I'm struck by, I'm just sort of struck by the similarities. Uh, One of the stories about me is a very, very little girl was that I was maybe like two, two and a half. And I walked out to the ocean and I just kept on going. My parents would have had to like, my mom saw me and she's like, but I just was just going in because, you know, the water gods are Mm -hmm. so dear to my heart. Um, and then my very first prophetic dream, I was nine. It was about my, uh, my best, one of my best friend's mothers died, died of breast cancer the night that I had the dream. So I just find it interesting. That yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is meant to be. Meant, but definitely meant to be. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so obviously you realize that you've had a lot of sensitivity. The gods had chosen yeah. you at a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I'm I'm sort of imagining you were saying that was Yamaya one of your those like who are the- Oshun always comes. So whenever I get any kind of readings, and I have yeah. not been officially, you know, initiated or anything like that. I don't think that's my calling, yeah. but she comes up anytime I work with any kind of hoodoo priestess or an mm-hmm. African priestess, mm-hmm. she comes up all the time when I get tarot readings her energy comes up all the time. Of course it does. So, so, which makes sense too with the connection to Josephine Baker as well, which I'm pretty sure she was a daughter of Oshun. I'm almost certain of it. Yeah, yeah. That is complete, complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was, because you were talking about the uh, the beach, I was thinking of Yamaya because she, yes, because of the ocean. But um, yeah, I, I, um, I totally get not choosing that not choosing to go down that path i've no, i know people who have mm-hmm. and um um the rules <laughs> I, I i knew for myself for two reasons one cultural appropriation hello i'm a white girl oh, yeah, but, yeah. But two i knew i just didn't have it in me to follow all the rules like that there were just so many rules if you're really going to honor the orisha so, yes yes yeah. yes so many rules and and i just felt like I'm supposed to honor <laughs> by showing people how to honor themselves, by helping people return to their medicine. And like I said, for me as a child, I was very aware. I used to get in trouble all the time. Um, you know, I already had like a nice full CD cup at 11. Mm. So I, I was already very feminine, very womanly. I grew up in the South. And, and everyone was very afraid of how my body made my male cousins feel, you know, male friends of the family. And so I was punished for my body at a very young age, punished because I was very, you know, aware. And I would put my hands on my hips and I would put on concerts for my for myself. I would go and sneak out of the house to talk to the moon. And, and my family was very afraid of my power, but I knew even then that they were the ones who were not connected. I knew that I was born to heal my family's lineage. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a fierce and resilient spirit. Like, Thank you. Thank you. It comes with a price for sure. It comes with the price, yeah. but you know, I, it, it costs to be the boss as they say, but I am paying it and receiving so much abundance in my life by honoring my assignment. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I want to, I'm struck by the fact that you were talking about just like developing breasts at, yeah. at a young age. And like, what if the not, like how, how interesting in our culture is it that just this biological phenomenon that happens to females 
is somehow like just it becomes such a I'm just trying to think of the right word. I mean, shit show comes to my mind. <laughs> yes. You know, because it's like, it, it's to, I mean, you're an 11 year old girl. Yes. You're a little girl. You're innocent. Yes. You're not, you know, you're a child. Yes. And all of a sudden, all this projection is mm-hmm. being placed on you. Mm-hmm. And it still, unfortunately, is a thing that happens in my family. I'm 44 now and my breasts have gotten bigger. I'm like an H now. And it's like, you know, oh, cover up. I mean, I'm 44. This is just my body, you know. Right. And and one of the price that I that I pay is I don't I'm disconnected from my family. And when you are when we are these special people, sometimes we have to do things like really disconnect from whoever is harming us, even if it is our family, so that we can stay connected to our divine channel. Mm, mm, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have figured so much out and you have, <laughs> yes. you have, you have really, and you've claimed, you've, you've said yes to your mission. You've said yes to your past. Yes. Yes. Things. I'm wondering about the gap. I'm wondering mm-hmm. about the, you know, the the period between the awakenings that you experienced and the, you know, mm-hmm. developing breasts and sort of suddenly going through that punitive stage at 11 to mm-hmm. where you are now. Like what was like what was the sort of the the awkward in between stage like for you? What was the mm-hmm. The messy period was definitely, you know, junior high, high school. I am not one of those adults that just want the good days. I just want to be a youth again. Oh, my God. I never understood those people. I'm like, really? You want to go? No, absolutely not. I was the ever. I was the one who was bullied every day. I was called ugly every day. I grew up in the South and, you know, there's still some trauma in the South. And so if you're a certain color, you know, if you're just a little too brown, then we don't celebrate that. But even though I was severely bullied by the teachers as well, the teachers that the teachers that wanted to be cool would join in on the bullying, you know, some family members, of course, but when I was dancing, so I was a cheerleader, even though I grew up poor, grew up in the ghetto, uh, when I became an adult, I said, oh my God, it was my cheerleading coach who was paying for everything. Of course, that didn't connect. So I've always had, even in the awkward phase, the, the ancestors, the guides have always sent a protector for me. And when I got on that, that stage to cheer, everyone, that was the only time that people didn't bully me and everyone agreed that I was powerful then. So I really honed into dancing. I taught myself how to dance by watching ballroom dance videos. And I, you know, I was also bullied because I didn't have the right clothes. You know, I did not smell well because sometimes there was no way to to bathe, you know? So I was, I was bullied, you know, I understand why I was picked on. And so that time was very hard during that period, I was also raising my mother, raising myself at 15, raising my little brother. So during that time, during that in-between time, I found myself in the position that so many of us are put in to where now the only thing that makes you valuable to your family is that you are the nurturer as a child. You're Mm -hmm. here to nurture the adults. Right. Right. And right. and then we see that you're the responsible one. So we're going to all, you know, now you are also the babysitter for the family and no one pays attention to you any other time except for when you are nurturing. 
So, of course, that gave me very distorted views of my worth. And then, of course, I grew up watching all of my aunts, my mom and her friends being like beaten by men. You know, I would have to help my mom fight men oftentimes. And and so then you get this sense of love means pain. Yes. Yes, which, yes. you know, which automatically, in my opinion, takes away from your channel. It automatically makes you not feel worthy to have your gifts. And it automatically strips you from your femininity because your femininity also gets you punched. Yeah. Yes. You know, so I had to make this conscious effort to then leave as soon as I graduated. And unfortunately, by doing that and by not having support, I also found myself tricked into prostitution. A friend of mine told me I could stay with her and her partner. And the next thing I knew, I was told I was a prostitute and I had to be a prostitute. And I prayed to the moon and asked for help because in my mind, I had survived so much. And the pimp, now this is when I also knew my powers. Let me tell you what happened. The pimp had a dream to let me go. I was wow. 19. You don't let a 19-year-old go. No, no. You're prime real estate. I was prime real estate. The pimp came into my room the next day. The pimp was a woman as well. That's how I also was tricked. What would I, why would I be, why would I be on guard with two women? You see? Yeah. And she said, she said, I had a dream, and your people told me to release you. Because you have a greater purpose in life. So I'm going to drop you off somewhere. Where am I taking you? And I've never seen the girl who tricked me into prostitution. I've never seen any of them ever again. Oh. So, and then four years after that, I became a burlesque queen traveling all over the world, paying homage to Josephine Baker. Oh my God. That's how what? we got here. <laughs> what an amazing story. I just got chills. I mean, I'm just... <sighs> Oh, and, and 19, like what yes. an absolute miracle. Yes. That I'm here. And yeah. I, I, and now, you know, I, and I know I'm saying this as a person, you know, cause I'm just now telling this part of my story. Thanks to my coach. I have never really spoken about this. Um, and I know I'm saying it like this because I'm still processing it. So I, was lucky that it was only a weekend. I know that some people, they're taken for you know years. One of my current clients, she was sex trafficked for eight years and we're using burlesque for her to get that autonomy back, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, but I am, I am a sex traffic survivor. And then burlesque, that pimp released me. And then I became a burlesque sensation, paying homage to Josephine Baker all over the world. So how did, I mean, I can absolutely imagine that for so many people that near miss with, or, or like getting, get, you know, like you fell into the hole and then somebody put a ladder down, your ancestors put a ladder yes. down and said, come back out of here. Come back out of here. Come back out of here. But I can imagine so many people would have steered very far away from their sexuality as a result of that and would never have gone into burlesque. What yeah. was that for, for, you know, what was that four year period between like this, this pimp just dropping you off somewhere on a random yeah. corner and yeah. going into burlesque? Like, did you wait tables? Did you work in mm -hmm. retail? Like, what did you end up doing for that period of time? 
So I actually went back to my grandmother's house. You know, after I graduated, I moved into what we call an hotel. The M is missing from the sign (laughs) because in the Southern culture, you are taught that after you graduate, you're on your own. So, you know, I just left because I thought I was going to be kicked out because that was what was fed. And I had to just kind of go back to my grandmother's house. But as the 44-year-old, what is also interesting to me is that I was gone for a whole weekend and no one reported me missing. That's how absent everyone was. No one even noticed I was gone. (laughs) And so after that, I found myself uh, working at the body shop at the Dallas Galleria. I got myself an apartment. I, you know, also came out as bisexual and found like the queer community um, because my family, you know, the the cousins that violated me, they weren't an issue. But when I came out as bisexual, I was no longer allowed to see any of my younger cousins because I got put in the predator category. So I really, you know, saw no choice but to separate. Yeah. And I said, but this is not where I I said, I'm getting out of here, though. (laughs) So I like worked at the Dallas Galleria and I said, all right, I'm going to go to Vegas and be a showgirl. Now, keep in mind, everybody who's listening, I am only like five, two, five, three. Okay, (laughs) you need to be taller than that for one to be able to balance the headdresses. And I had no formal training, but bless my little heart. I said, I'm going to be a showgirl. And so I saved up some money. I left. Shortly after that pimp dropped me off, maybe maybe a year after, with a backpack, about a hundred dollars that was just for me, and then a couple of hundred dollars that was for a budget in suite. And I already looked up homeless shelters that helped women and helped people find housing in the event that I didn't find a job. And so I moved into a budget in suite with my girlfriend at the time, found ourselves at the homeless shelter, then in an apartment. But I did get a job backup dancing and singing for a band called Joy at the Excalibur. And bless my heart, because I was so sweet and innocent, I was like, this is a sign. It's a castle. (laughs) Look, I'm working in a castle now. (laughs) And so I did that. And then September 11th happened. So, yeah. So then I moved back home and somehow ended up reconnecting with my ex from high school. And he was like, come to New Orleans. Went to New Orleans, found myself not leaving and saying, "Okay, I need to get a job, but it's New Orleans. Let me get, you know, a gig. Opened up the newspaper, zoomed in, looking for black burlesque performers or cabaret performers, black woman named Jeannie Hat. I'm creating an all black burlesque musical. Must be able to sing. Go into the audition. <laughs> Apply for Lottie Fadici. She's an ex burlesque queen who's now crackhead and married to Tron, who's an abusive pimp. I'm like, I can play this role. This I grew up as this girl. Got that. And so when I got that, that's when I needed to do all the research. And there she was, Miss Josephine. And she said, You're going to honor my legacy. I did that show for about a year. Once it was done, I auditioned for another show at the House of Blues, Bust Out Burlesque, went into the audition. Who do I see? This very tall, statuesque woman named Dolly Rebus. The only, we're the only two Black people in this space. I said, she's the one I need to impress. And I came in looking like Josephine Baker. I had my hair slicked down, ready to go. She fell in love with me. Fast forward to the first day of rehearsals. I'm telling her, because they're like, what's, we got to create a character for this woman. 
And I said, I am Josephine Baker. I am Josephine Baker to her, you know, mentally. And she said, what about Josephine Baker? And I said, and my name is Pearl Noir because that's what they call Josephine Baker. And she said, and let's call her Pearl Noir. So what a lot of people also don't get is that my name is also the name that they gave Josephine Baker when she was in Paris. Here we are now. Wow. Pow. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. What what a journey. Yes. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention Dolly Rivas was a black showgirl when there were not black showgirls. So I still got my showgirl fantasy. Very cool. Yes. 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 Cool. Yeah, I've um I I've seen we've been to Vegas a few times and at one time we went to see like one of the classic like showgirl reviews. Like I, yeah. I, like, I it was like at one of the old, old, yeah. old was it, was it Jubilee? I might've been Jubilee. It's the one that has like the Titanic musical at like, there's oh, like, wow. a, it's like, why would anybody ever create a musical, a musical, like yeah. the whole review, okay. the whole thing uh, like with like a, it was like this whole big bit all wow. about the Titanic sinking oh boy. with no. showgirls and headdresses. It was oh. hard. Okay, I, I haven't I seen that one. The, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a review. It had a bunch of different things going wow. on. And I think it was like at the Flamingo or yeah, I can't remember. Okay. It was so long ago. Okay. But I was going to say the body type of those mm-hmm. showgirls, they're tall, they're mm-hmm. thin, they're, they're slender. And they barely have boobs. Like, yeah. they are yeah. not well-endowed women generally. No, so, no. Well, it's not for me. Legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not for me. Even if I was trained, it was, it was not going to make it. Not for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely an aesthetic. <sighs> yes. Have. Yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. So, so what a remarkable experience to to be like to just be guided it really sounds like you the, your ancestors have really helped and have really yes. been backing yes. you up all the way absolutely and cuz my intuition is is so strong and if i'm honest i had i had the i had the don't call her i received the do not call her for help just go back to your grandma's house, but I ignored it, you know? So it's like everything I can honestly say anytime I have been in trouble was because I did not listen to the voice or I ignored the dream. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be very honest about that. Not victim shaming myself, just honoring what we're talking about, you know, on this beautiful platform that you've created for all of us. Thank you. Yeah. I I've totaled a car, not listening to the intuition. You oh know, and, and, okay, and yeah. for me, part of it is also that dance between what am I, is this my fear or is this my intuition? Me and too. a lot of times if it's something like I totaled a car on the day that it was like, I had to drive a friend to the airport at a ridiculously mm. early hour. And I, I'm not a morning person and I didn't want to get in the car mm. and I didn't want to deal. And I had this awful sense of foreboding, like something's mm. wrong. But I was like, I can't bow out of it. I'm like, suck it up, Buttercup. You're going to drive her to the airport. And got her to the airport, got her back. The <laughs> roads were covered with ice. But then 
you know, or I got her there. And then as I was driving back, everything started melting and the roads were really slick and I just drove into it, into a telephone pole. But, but, you know, it was one of those things where it's like that dance between what's my ego, what's my fear, what's my stuff and what's my intuition. And, you know, and it's like when, when I don't want to do something and my intuition is backing me up on it, sometimes I will do the thing because I think it's not my intuition. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's part of what happens for you. It is. And what I'm learning to do is dance with the fear, dance with the doubt, dance with the intuition, intuition. And I, I'm discovering that when it's intuition, it feels a bit more calm as to where it's when it's fear. That is when my inner child is, is doing her job of trying to protect me. Yes. By telling yes. me everything yes. that can go wrong. So so I'm prepared for the impact. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and I find that there's this, it's almost like the intuition has this very calm knowing where yes. it's just kind of like, I know this thing is going to come to pass or I know this thing yes. is going to happen fairly soon. Like you were saying, even with your dad's death. Yeah. Just knew. Um, mm-hmm. whereas like when it's a fear, it's a lot more emotionally gripping. <laughs> yes. Correct. Yes. Same, yeah. same here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so, um, obviously, so I'm, you, you've been on, I mean, imagine you've been on stages all over the world channeling yes. Josephine Baker. Yes. Yes. All yeah. over the world. Sydney opera house. Even I still cannot get over the fact that the little, girl from the ghetto grew up poor you know sometimes using hot dog meat in our spaghetti was at the Sydney Opera House I've performed in places like New Caledonia which I had never heard of before these people reached out to me New Zealand it's just been a beautiful time it has been a beautiful time and I'm one of the fortunate artists who's received her flowers in real time and I'm still receiving, receiving them almost every day. And, you know, most artists don't get that. Yeah. I mean, ah, it just, I'm, I'm struck by the blessings. I'm sure, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, like you said, it's not, it's not necessarily all been easy. Yeah. It also really seems like they've given you, like they've, they, they've given you the flowers that you need to keep going. To keep going. Absolutely. And it's so interesting too. Let's see if I can do it to where you can see. Oh, you can't see. Let me grab just uh, a keep my bananas with me nearby. (laughs) Yes. I always have them with me just as a reminder of trust yourself, trust your gifts. You went on stage many stages in a banana skirt, helping people heal through the art of burlesque. Like, so keep trusting the gifts. Keep trusting the gifts. What a powerful (laughs) and such an incredibly important message. Well, and it sounds like I'm, I was just thinking like how, what advice would you give to somebody who doesn't necessarily know how to recognize their gift? I would, first of all, we have to remember to offer ourselves grace when we are questioning our sanity, because the thing is, you know, the gift is there. You just have been taught somewhere along the line. Someone told you to stop talking to an imaginary friend and you saw someone there and it was not an imaginary friend. Somewhere down the line, someone told you to stop putting on those concerts. Someone told you to not be connected to your imagination 
which in translation is your third eye, your crown, your heart, your root, your sacral chakra. Like there's the true alignment and someone because they loved us taught us to stop relying on that part of ourselves to get serious. Okay. We need to get serious about the world. Not understanding that the reason why many people are not able to pick themselves up is because they have been, you know, detached from that divine energy. So just offer yourself grace because you are trying to relearn how to trust yourself because someone taught you not to. So that's the first part of the advice. And the other thing is treat reconnecting to your powers the same way you treated college. Right. You didn't just say, all right, I'll take my credentials now. (laughs) I'll take that diploma. No, no, no. You you research and you make sure that you put yourself in a position to be taught. So seek out teachers, seek out people who already have what you want, you know, which is that they are tapped in. Do not try to do this alone. Rely on community. That's the other thing that's missing from our lives. Why we can't connect to this is that the community is non-negotiable when you are trying to tap back into your powers. I don't care what kind of power it is. If you try to do it alone, you're not going to make it. You you need to rely on community. You need to rely on grace for yourself. And you need to trust the infancy of the healing, right? And remember a very true fact. I have never seen anyone laugh and poke fun and judge a baby for eating with their mouth, their hands. I have never seen anyone judge a baby and say, ah, look at you, you fell. No, you say, oh, come on, baby, get back up. So you want to treat yourself like a baby because you are when it comes to this part of your life. Yeah. You are in the infancy stages. So just because the baby is using their hands doesn't mean they're not getting full. They're Mm -hmm. still nurturing themselves. So you also, the last thing I want to say is as you nurture this part of yourself, you want to allow it to look the way it looks. (laughs) It doesn't have to look a certain way. It's about trusting what you feel again. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I'll say about that. So you spoke about community and you spoke about teachers. Yes. So let's talk about how do you recognize or find community? Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's in, I mean, in this day and age, that's a big thing. It is. Not all communities are created equal. That is very true. And so that's when we want to be okay with taking time to research. Yes. That's when we want to say, even contact a teacher, which I do this. I let people come in for a month pass or mm-hmm. a day pass. You can, you know, speak up for yourself, really reach out and say, oh, okay, I see they, they, you know, I tag all of the people that I have a testimonial for. In the event that someone wants to reach out and say, hey, I see Pearl tagged you. Can you tell me about your experience as a non-binary person in this feminine space? Can you tell me about your experience as a person who's South Asian working with this Black woman? You know, what is it like as a white woman working in this Black space? So also, if you want to find the community, don't, I'm going to say it plain, don't be lazy about it. Right. Don't go into there, you know, putting it all on the teacher. Honor your traumas and triggers when you go into a space. That's the other thing. So when a lot of times people are not having a good experience in a community because they are going in asking the teacher to also be the therapist. No, no, no. They're they're not responsible for your triggers. You know, and so, for example, when I when people who are non-binary come to me, 
you know, they're like, I want to be in this space with you. Will you respect my pronouns? And I say, absolutely, as long as you respect the curriculum. So I am a Black woman. So I will be speaking from the Black lens. Black women in this space will have a voice that they don't have anywhere else. I will be talking about the divine feminine. I will be saying things like, yes, girl, let's go. Now, if that triggers you to hear someone say divine femininity, to say lady, to say girl, when you come into the class, make sure you announce who you are, put your your pronoun on the Zoom. And if we make a mistake, correct us. Let us know, let us apologize and let us learn. Right. And so and if I see you're triggered after the class, I'm going to ask you to stay. I'm going to comfort you. And then I'm going to send you a list of people to contact. Mm -hmm. Right. So it has to be a beautiful, intimate flow. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and you just reminded me of, you know, back in some of my earlier community days, there would always be the person who had all the special needs who would kind of co-opt the entire community. Every time. You know, I, and like we ran a kitchen for this event that was like a week long event every summer. And there was this one person who had all these food sensitivities and they basically commandeered the menu. And it's sort of like, and so I do think that there are some people where it's kind of like their needs, that Mm -hmm. sense of expectation or entitlement, Mm -hmm. like, because I'm special or different, you're going to, everybody else is going to accommodate me. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like, no, we are all responsible for our own side of the street. So I love love that you're really like, you know, like your respect, you show up a hundred percent responsible. Do that. I mean, I personally think also like that the only way we can really know if a community is right for us is we can certainly do some research and some are just yeah. like, yeah, no, not going anywhere near that. Yes, yes. But <laughs> then there are, but there are a lot of them where it's like, well, this could be a good place for me. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, just experiment, see what mm-hmm. it feels like and watch mm-hmm. how the, you know, for me, there's the other part of it is just watching how the teacher and the leader, the facilitator engages, do they create safe space? Yeah. Do they create space for people to, to express themselves, to honor who they are? How do, you know, and, and like, how do they, and also like teachers, do teachers approach things from a place of curiosity and inclusivity? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or do they approach things from a place of power over and Mm -hmm. all of that? And I, I really hear part of how you're offering community to your students is from a place of safe, sane, and consensual, from a place yes. of like, yeah. I'm going to give you the boundaries, I'm going to let you know what to expect, and then you mm-hmm. get to decide, does this fit for you or does this not fit for you? Absolutely. And one of the things in my Healing Through Seduction membership that I do, because I know people, you know, I've also, every every cohort I've had, there has been the person that I've had to remind you know, hey, this is a group session, so we can do one-on-ones. And so I've now included a 30-minute one-on-one every month for people as well to ensure, you know, you will get what you need. We will we will personalize this experience for you and you can cancel at any time on purpose. Yeah, yeah. On purpose, yes, yes. We want people to feel good, but I'm also... When it comes to intimacy, we have to, you know, be willing 
to maybe even learn what our new triggers are so that we can truly implement our boundaries in every space we go. But if we're not, if we're just holding on for dear life, not trying to, to release anything, then we, we, then we go into these spaces being unrealistic to the other people. And it's, it's, it's our jobs to tap into those powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, around, it seems to me that when it comes to sensuality, intimacy, and sexuality, that mm-hmm. knowing our no is as important as knowing our yes. It absolutely is. And I think it goes back to the intuition. It, it, and, and it can also go on going back to being that empath, like, let me actually sit still to feel what the other person is feeling. And if that fails, a good old ask. A good old ask. A good old, a good old college try. Let me actually ask a question. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I actually see that as one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that comes up for people with intuition and, and especially when they identify as being psychic is, um, is the avoidance of asking questions because you're afraid you're going to look less psychic or less powerful if you ask questions. And I'm like, you know, sometimes the most important thing you can do, and I, as a reader, when I'm doing work with people, I'm, I will not hesitate to ask questions because I might be getting an intuition, but the other side of it is that even if I have a sense of things, often there's like this way of perceiving it or that way of perceiving it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'd much rather be in a conversation than in a dialogue with somebody. So yes. like, that courage to ask is such mm-hmm. an incredibly important thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I think for us to truly tap into those powers, it's, um yeah, we're going to have to release that ego of, yeah, like you said, how we look, what we can think of is that we look even more powerful is what you're saying when we are willing to to tap in and to really give people a proper experience. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. and I think in my experience as a facilitator, people are not looking to be told all about themselves as much as they're looking for is a space to learn about themselves and find to discover themselves. And yeah. that comes from being curious and giving people space mm. to, to express themselves. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So how did, so let's go back a little bit because we've been talking about the community, amazing community mm-hmm. you've created and the program that you're running and which sounds amazing. Thank you. Um, how did you go? So what led you from being a, I'm imagining a full-time performer or, a, mm-hmm. you know, from being, but, and from being like the, out on the stage mm-hmm. to bringing it into this, sharing it with other people. How did you make that transition from stage to this here, the, the healing through seduction program? You know, the community, I was performing and making grown men cry on stage, making women feel healed just by looking at me, um, especially because, you know, my beauty isn't the like, you know, the, you know, the mainstream beauty. And I was touring with women who do have that kind of beauty. And there was this freedom that I exude. And everyone, performers, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, they would come to me after the show and they were the ones who created this by asking for it. I never had the idea to to share it. 
And so everyone was saying like, we want to take these classes. And so I did my first class that I thought was just a regular burlesque class. And people were crying and say they were feeling healed. And, you know, the people who were like hesitant, they were like, no, 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 I want to do what you did on stage. And I said, right, it starts with these healing sessions. It starts with you looking at yourself in the mirror and having an intimate conversation. It starts with asking your body for consent, self-consent and seduction before you go on stage and ask to be validated by a room full of strangers, honey. And so they were the ones, it was my fans they were the ones who asked for it. And they were the ones that told me that they were healing through seduction. Mm. So once again, everybody's looking out for me I, on the other know, side. I want to pull this <laughs> out though, because you just dropped, you just dropped the mic. I mean, you just dropped the bombshell there when you said we have to start by asking our own bodies for consent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just think about the way our culture, especially women's bodies, the yes. way our culture is constantly telling us to suck it up, to yes. just muscle through, to just yes. keep showing up, to do this, 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 and this. And yeah. it's like, what a radical concept yeah. to not necessarily like have your mind override your body. Like, you know, I've done things like I give myself permission to, but yeah. really, Asking our body for permission, saying, are you willing to do this for me? Are you willing to go mm -hmm. through this with me? Um, I mean, it, it just, I'm thinking about an experience I'm going through right now where I'm going through a bit of a, of, of a new level of, of healing and mm -hmm. a bit of a detox. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the reasons why it's not more hard than it is is because my body is on board. My body is like, mm -hmm. this sucks. It's not necessarily comfortable all the time, but I'm willing to do this with you. And, yes. you know, but I'm really hearing like that distinction. Like I've never thought about it so nuanced as like, no, we need to ask our bodies for permission. We need to ask our bodies mm -hmm. for consent. Yes, yes. I never went on stage without asking my body for consent. I never went on stage without thanking the ancestors who went through the back door so that I may go through the front. So everything I was doing was always ritualistic. So it makes so much sense that this is where I am. And self-consent is something I do in each class. We start with a body scan, asking for the consent asking for the sensual energy to come into the space. And that's how I still perform to this day. And I teach it to other people uh, so that they can truly be themselves, so they can feel sexy. And sexiness is the embodiment of you living in your truth. That's what being sexy is. It doesn't look a certain way. You don't need to have a certain body or, or face. You know, we want to we wanna get to the place to where we love ourselves regardless of the scale the number on the scale or our relationship status. Yes. Preach, preach, mm -hmm. preach. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, mm -hmm. a, I mean, it's so sad how many of us define our sexuality or our sexiness, our juiciness, mm -hmm. our beauty by mm -hmm. those two things, the number on the scale yes. and whether we are in a partnership or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what we're doing over here. That's how we are healing through burlesque. That's what healing through seduction is about. And, and it makes sense because that is what Josephine Baker was doing. You know, it was 
the performances and then she became an activist, you know, and then she was the only woman at the time to speak at the March on Washington, you know, and now I do keynotes about healing through burlesque. So I'm, I am honoring her legacy, you know, and she had her rainbow tribe. I have burlesque daughters all over the world. I am honoring my assignment. Oh, oh, so amazing. So amazing. I just had this image of, I don't know if you watched the Netflix series, Mer People, but I yes, just, yes. I just had this idea of like, you've got to have, there's got to be like, there's got to be like another one that's like where you're part of it called burlesque people or something. But- yes. Well, I actually do have a pageant that I oh. did, but it was right before the pandemic. And oh. so, yes, but I am in the works of, of doing another one. Um, I'm just keeping it under wraps, but I have. I do have a pageant as well. I've got it. I'm, I'm doing it all. I told you. We're honoring, oh, this, we're awesome. honoring her. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> so um, you mentioned Zoom. Is your program yes. something that is done, virtu- is done virtually or do you do it live in, in Brooklyn? So I do both um, uh-huh. because I, I just love the community and I love staying with people for a long time. I'm very fortunate. I started my online coaching business back when Skype was popular yes, because, uh, yep. <laughs> because the burlesque community, like my fan base has always been overseas. And so burlesque performers were hiring me to work with them on their burlesque acts. So I do a combination in my Healing Through Seduction. It's a 12-month program. And I do a combination of online group classes, online one-on-ones. And then after 12 months, we all come together in Brooklyn. I rent out a space for us. We have a mini retreat. I bring in private chefs. I bring in my burlesque daughters. We do transformative workshops. We work on, you know, being our glamorous selves. There may be some hot tub moments involved. (laughs) There might be some impromptu shows that are not about performing, but allowing people to have that, you know, diva moment on stage that regardless of what your profession is, we all want that moment on stage. Mm -hmm. We want it because it's not about a stage. We want a moment to be cared for and to be seen. And most people who come to me have feminine energy, regardless of their gender. They're in the caretaker role and they don't want to be a mama for a weekend. And that's where I come in. They want to be a person. Yeah. A person. And to be be a person. Yes. 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 So that's what it is. And I like it on Zoom uh, because I also love to, I love people being in their own place because things come up, you know, things come up when you're trying to transform. Even like I said, when I was doing just a regular choreography class, how I teach it, Things come up. That's one of my gifts. I will show you who you are. I'll show you what's missing as well. And I'll be so kind to you. And the community makes you feel so good. And sometimes that's triggering when you feel good because then you say, oh, I oh, I have been missing something. Yes. yes. And so you yes. need to be in your own home for yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> oh, I, I told you I would have, we come to this moment where I would say, oh my God, Pearl, I can't believe how fast time has gone by. <laughs> And it really did. And it really did. It really did. And so now this is the moment where we, where we, um, I ask you, what else? Is there anything that you feel like you would just kick yourself if you did not share? (sighs) Yes. You are 
a beautiful imperfection. You are worthy of being a beautiful imperfection. And what I mean by that is you are worthy enough to be guided. You don't have to have all the answers. You are worthy of your evolution, of your transformation. Enjoy the infancy. Enjoy each time you get to feel like an imposter. That is telling you that you are unlocking a new level within yourself. Enjoy every time that you are afraid. And I'm not talking about being trapped somewhere that you don't want to be. I'm talking about I'm afraid to go after that goal. I'm afraid that I have this new relationship. I'm afraid of what I'm unlocking here. I'm seeing things in my dreams. I'm afraid to trust them. Having that level of fear and imposter syndrome is a luxury that not everyone has. Not everyone has the luxury to be afraid. Your fears are showing you exactly what you truly desire along with your dreams. Allow yourself to be witness to yourself. Mm. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I need to Mm. take that snippet (sighs) and I need to turn it into like, something I listen to every single day because those are just like, like from God's God's, you know, from like, yes, yes. Mouth like or goddess's mouth. Thank you. Oshun. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. 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 So Pearl, the next thing that I always love to do, and the audience knows exactly what's coming right now, is that we do, I really believe time, that I believe podcasts exist outside of time. Yes. That we record them and they, li- they live mm-hmm. into the future forever. Yes. But they also, I believe they have a way of rippling back in time. You drop a stone mm-hmm. in the water, it's going to ripple both ways. Mm-hmm. And so what I believe is that we can send, we are broadcasting a message back to a younger time, a younger place, a pearl who needed to hear something. And so my question to you is, where and who are we going back to give a message to? Who are we going to talk to? And Mm -hmm. what are you going to tell her? Like, you know, what, like, and not just like, what would you tell her, but speak to her? We're going to go, we're going to broadcast back to her. So who are we, who are we talking to her? And then Yes. And just say it. So little Pearl, who is a senior in high school, who had one luxury in life, which was being the best cheerleader. Being the best, always making number one on the score sheets and even having the unthinkable, being an unpopular cheerleader, having your classmates who are cheerleaders jump you, hate you. It's your senior year. And I know you think that you're going to be captain because that is what happens throughout the entire history of cheering. You think you're finally going to win. And Miss Thompson tells you that the other cheerleaders have told her they don't want a captain this year. For the first time in history, they don't want one. And I want you to know that they bullied you. Everyone bullied you because they actually saw your power. Trust your power and trust that something else is coming for you. That is why you are not receiving this. It is actually too small for you. What is next is going to blow your mind. And anytime you doubt your power in the future, I want you to go back to the moment where you had confirmation that when people don't understand power, They cannot help but try to dim that light. And I want you 
to forgive them for what they did not know and forgive yourself for thinking that that was the epitome of your worth. Ashe. Wow, Pearl, this conversation. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, she needed that. Thank you. She did. Yeah. (sighs) Thank you. Yeah, I really believe that these interviews that we go back, we do an intervention for her. Yes. Yeah. She didn't know any better. Yeah. She she didn't know. She didn't know. She didn't know. And they didn't know either. They didn't know. And they actually, I will say all of the bullies have come back as an adult and they've all apologized to me. Wow. Yeah. That is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I will thank Facebook for that. That's one good thing about Facebook that, that I have. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking too, just to be able to say to her as, as an, you know, sort of an adult outsider to just say, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Was devastated. Yeah. (laughs) You, I mean, and it's also, it's so understandable that you had this glimpse of power, like you understood Mm -hmm. your power, you could feel it, but Mm -hmm. the only, um, the only definition or like crown you could imagine at that point in time would have been, you know, like coach or, you know, captain yeah. Of the leading team. Yeah. 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 Yes. And yet, I love how you were saying, you know, trust your power. Something so much greater than this is waiting for you. Yes. Yes. And look at me now. I am a coach. You, know. you are a coach. Yeah. Oh my God. I did it. You did it. You did it. And you're changing oh. people's lives. Yes, I just made that connection. Oh my goodness, I did do it. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean you're the captain of a cheerleading team, but it's a really, really badass cheerleading team. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh my goodness. Ah <laughs> thank you. Oh. Oh. Wow. Oh, oh girl, I could talk with you for hours. This has Thanks. just been like this oh my goodness. This feels more like a reunion than a yes, meeting. Yes, it does. It yeah. does. It does. It yeah. does. Thank you. I'm so grateful that we were able to connect. I'm so happy. Thank you for this. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. So last question. How do people get in touch with you? How do people like get access to your amazing, juicy magic? Oh my goodness. Well, I would love to give everyone access to my free ebook. If that will work for you, it gives some beautiful guides. Yes. I want you all to, you know, see exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, of course I do have a website, blackburlesqueen.com, but I always tell people to go to my Instagram because then that way you can DM me directly and then you get a chance to see my students. I highlight them every day. You get to see some examples of exactly what I'm doing. But on my website, I also have, you know, little snippets here, little previews. And with the ebook, you'll also get videos and a an actual PDF ebook as well. I love people you know, having a preview of what I do because I don't approach wellness quite like a lot of people and I don't approach burlesque the way most people do, which is why I became an icon. So, you know, I want to give you all that gift, but definitely come to Instagram, the Pearl Noir, T-H-E-P-E-R-L-E-N-O-I-R-E. Wonderful. 
Uh, so you guys go check out Pearl's Instagram, the Pearl Noir, and go over to her website and you know grab her ebook and just keep following this amazing woman. Pearl, thank, thank you. you so much for this conversation. This has just been delicious. Thank you. I agree. Thank you all so much for listening. I appreciate everyone's beautiful energy. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.